Welcome to NACSW's Podcast of the Month. Our podcast program makes available recordings of a wide variety of NACSW presentations and discussions on topics of particular interest to Christians in social work. Our Podcast of the Month program features a new podcast every 30 days for your listening pleasure. We hope you enjoy today's podcast. So anyway, what we're hoping happens at the end of your work, this workshop is that the front lights have been in the front, but we had another room. I don't know if this room has that good room. But basically, we're hoping that you have a basic understanding of the social teaching and that you can that you actually have a relationship to personality and child welfare um, and how to apply how the social teaching to that topic. And then how to do the social strategies and maybe how you can talk about the strategies that we can do. Um, to address that. How many of you are from the three of you? What's your name, sir? Gary. Oh, yeah. Gary, it's nice to have you here. Oh, you're from Arkham, come on. Hey, Louis. So, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, Sarah, the convention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what's your question? What are you at? Uh, I'm a support administrator in the Salvation Army. That's And you're in the hurricane room. I love in my classes is I ask the students 
So I teach in the graduate program. So in the graduate program, we only have about only about 20 percent of students are Catholic. But it gives me an opportunity to bring in other faith, other faith traditions that can talk about. Oh yeah, we talk about that in, 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 our, in, in Islam. We talk, let me talk about the Jewish tradition. So you know, our tradition is so deep and so rich, and it really touches uh, and brings us a lot of. It's really good today, I'm just sort of ignoring Rick. I mean, I, everybody knows who you are, but uh, Rick, we're really glad to have you here. Uh, my social work background is working with people with developmental disabilities. Really? How about that? And I, I just do some reinforcement. I've talked with people on the social teaching in broad groups, and usually
And in 2004, um, the church published this body. They synthesized these various encyclicals and statements from the bishops, and they put it into this book, the Compendium of the Social Doctrine of the Church, and that was in 2004. And since then, Pope Benedict has come out with a number of encyclicals as well. Um, so Catholic social teaching lives on, okay? It lives on, it deepens, it matures over time. Um, but this is a great book to get started with, you know, if you want to you have that body of work. Um, and what Catholic social teaching does is it offers us principles for reflection, right? So that we take this into deep prayer, right? We take this into deep prayer. Criteria for judgment, you know, what, what is happening here, what did Jesus do, <laughs> to use the phrase, um, and then guidance for action. It's not prescription, you know, that's really important to understand. It's not a prescription on how to vote, <laughs> it's not a prescription on how to, you know, that you have to do this or that. It's, it's really something we take prayer, right, and to consider very thoughtfully. Jesus, you know, the gospels talk about, you know, seeing Jesus in a stranger. 
seeing Jesus as the person who's on the corner, right? Panhandling, and instead of you know being angry at this person because maybe I feel guilt or you know I'm irritated or, or I'm afraid, I'm seeing Jesus there, and it's telling me. This is what I tell my students who have to homelessness class, and they say, "What do I do about the panhandler on the corner?" First, we recognize their child and the first response, right? And maybe you know it's your personal choice whether you offer money or not. But what that should be telling you, that's a reminder that the coming good is open. Right? That we don't have what we need in our society to have to not have people who are standing in the corner and that we need to work for structural change and we're not seeing that anymore, right? And that I don't mean by passing laws that put people from who are homeless in jail. <laughs> I mean making it to they can live according to their dignity. So, as I said, the common good refers to the way that the Canadian talks about it. It is the sum of all social conditions which allow people as a group or individuals to reach their full fulfillment. So, in Catholic social teaching, some of the theologians, and I would subscribe to this, see the dignity of the person and the common good is interlocking. That they, that they come together. They're... they're um, uh, and the reason is, and we know as social workers, because our second value is the importance of human relationships, that our human dignity is realized in relationship with others, right? We realize our dignity in relationship. So, therefore, our, our world, our society, needs to promote our engagement with people. I said that before. We need to be able to participate in our economy, but we need to keep it in balance. Not hold two jobs to support our families, not hold three jobs, but have one job that allows us to participate in the economy and also allows us to participate in our family life. Because when we're working two jobs, we're not present to our children, we're not present to our spouse, you know, we are, um, we're not present to our community, we can't serve on the PTA, we can't teach catechism, we can't teach, teach religious education in our churches, we can't do all the things that we need to be to give it ourselves fully and, and realize our dignity and help others realize theirs, right? So we need uh, a common good, we need a society that recognizes that we're all together. And the compendium talks about some of the components of, um, of what the common good should be. And that is a great segue into, into solidarity, right? Because solidarity is the idea that we're all in this together, that, that it's not, um, in terms of social teaching, it's thought of as both a social principle, but also a moral virtue. <laughs> Right? That it's not just, I feel empathy for you. Empathy is a good thing, right? It's a characteristic we want of all social workers. It's not just, I have compassion. But it's that I recognize that my ability to thrive, my ability to flourish, is bound up in the person on the street in the corner, in his or her ability to flourish. If he wants to stand out there and ask for money, that I'm not right? That I'm still broken. And it's a real strong recognition that that we have this, um, that we're bound, our destinies are bound together. And I think one of the best quotes that I, um, and this is great for organizers. You mentioned being in the community organizing. Um, you know, you've come to help me. You're wasting your time. But you've come, you've come because your liberation is bound up with mine. 
us all together. I teach an organizing class, and I do organizing. I'm actually engaged in an organizing project right now, and used to be with older adults. Um, and uh, often, or a couple of times, when I've engaged and begun a partnership, right? Because organizing is not about me, it's about us, <laughs> right? I might come with a quote like this and start out by talking about what does this mean, right? Because sometimes when you have somebody, a university person that's coming into a community, they think I'm there to fix, right? Because that's how universities come in, they study, diagnose, and treat. And uh, that's not um, that's not what organizers do, and that's not um, what how I am work. Sometimes it's appropriate. Sometimes it's appropriate to do that. You know, but but uh, as an organizer, you know, you do it. And then the last, um, one of the, uh, not the last principle, but the next core principle is the topic subsidiarity. Um, and subsidiarity, subsidiarity comes from the word subsidium, the Latin word subsidium, which means to help. And um, this really speaks to the functioning, the governance of society, and that the, the group at the lowest level, right, the lowest unit in society, should actually do, um, should have the power to do for that for themselves what they can. So, as an individual, I should be able to, I should have the function to do uh, uh, um, what I have the power to do for myself. My family. If, if our society is supporting and strengthening families the way they should, the family should be able to care for its needs as it's able to, right? Communities should have the power to care for themselves. In fact, a lot of community organizing, it's, it's you know, we want to be able to provide for ourselves. Um, and then finally, the government, you know, if those needs are being met, has to make sure that... Um, that, that all of those units of society have what they need to do what they need to do, right? Some people say that they use the principles of subsidiarity to say that there's no role for government and it should be individuals, it should be communities, it should be families. But that's not what the compendium is saying. In fact, according to the compendium, sometimes it's necessarily for the government or the state, you know, because this is an international document, right? For the state to step in and supply certain functions, such as when there's a serious social imbalance or injustice where only the government can, can, can respond. I mean, you saw that in the Great Depression, right? I mean, we teach this in our social welfare history courses. You know, what happened during the Great Depression? You know, the, the system, nonprofits got overwhelmed. And as somebody who worked for a nonprofit and caring for people who were homeless, um, we're partners, right? We can't do it all during tough times, right? So sometimes the government needs to step in and help us. Some might argue that it in any time right like that right now. And then finally, and really, I don't know if I want to say most importantly, but Catholic social teaching, again, this is the gospel, right? This is Jesus' life here. And Jesus led us to the poor. Jesus was born for, I have a slide in my office, a picture of Jesus, you know, Mother Mary and Jesus. It says Jesus was born for. Right. Yeah. Yesterday, I was at a, I was at a, uh, at a session, a wonderful session that talked about, that reminded us that Jesus was a refugee. Right. He had to flee with his family. Right. And Jesus had that experience. Um, so uh, there's a question, you know, um, how do you measure 
how just the society is, well, mm-hmm. conditions, and looking at the conditions of people who are most vulnerable. Um, and, uh, and they should be our first consideration, right? I mean, if you're a community in the right? I mean, you're rich, you're going to always be okay. When things are starting to go bad, we need to work and be present with and lift up those who are struggling. You know, a, a rising tide does not lift all boats. So we need to make sure that people who are without a boat, without a paddle. <laughs> um, yeah, I was on Velcro when talking to my students, right? Velcro. We're concerned about the people on the margins, right? As social workers. <laughs> and people are paid. That's why it's crazy to be on social workers. Finally, um, just to be explicit about the link between Catholic social teaching, you know, sort of the identical fine principle of the dignity and worth of the person. And if I had room on the slide, I would put these side by side, right? Because I talked about them as being interlocking, that that our dignity is realized in relationship. the most vulnerable people in our society. Kathleen Bellinger is going to talk about um, children who are among those. Um, I'm going to give you a little background about myself. Um, I live and work and teach and dream and clap and cry in a little town in the East Texas called Nacogdoches. And we fondly refer to it as Nacogdoches. Thank you. 
children of color, but particularly African-American children, are sent for disciplinary action for the identical, identical infraction. They're sent uh, um, way disproportionately, and it compounds as you go on. And so it's a setup for the schools. And um, a lot part of our operation is with our task force for health and human services and the state of Texas and also in Charleston. So that's a important point. Um, so children of, of color who enter the child welfare system, this is a human dignity issue. So just because we get into child welfare, that doesn't mean we're, we're rescuing them. You know, I mean, because they may or may not be saved from abuse and neglect. In fact, we know our foster care system many times is broken. So, I mean, we think we're saving them from abuse and neglect, but I have foster children who have grown up and who tell me their tales in foster care. And they are in distance, abusive, but not neglect, but they're in a very and there's certainly the kind of dignity of their That is a real problem. And we know that in child protection. We know that when we take a child out of these things, and because you're on that community, you know that. Um, so you're from Texas, too? I am. Well, I live in Texas. Will you say a little bit about it? Because you, we all introduced ourselves, but you came in and since we you, 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 we, we didn't get to hear you all, so confess. <laughs> I'm the Honda Wright, I'm a professor in the school and um, I've worked very closely with the Portionality group in Texas. Um, in, in Waco? Or, well, I'm also in Waco, but also in Adelaide with the larger group in Austin. Well, I'm not in the task force because I don't have the time to do it. Okay, so I'll be no kidding. They say, well, these people are abusing and neglecting their children at a higher rate, but the defining of abuse and neglect is different for black children, black families. So I just wanted to throw that in there when, you know, about saving them from that. Um, it's the definition of the, the way that folks see. It's, it's everything from the, the, now I go into a whole, we, there are a lot, it's an edited book. You really might want to think about using that book in, in your classroom. It's um, racial disproportionality, uh, research policy practice. But there's a chapter in there that, that I co-wrote on the universalization principle. Um, and what happens is you think, we think differently sometimes even about the same situation and how do we undo that just at that point you know there's you're, you're right in Texas it's just quite a big habit of all levels so nice to meet you so Sri Ann you might introduce yourself I'm Sri Ann Hackett I'm Reddit at University Linda and I are colleagues in that we have offices of the Clark Hall for me to have been saying Linda and Dave so
point out that it's not that it's not just racial disproportionality that 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 children of color now it's very problematic, very controversial, uh, have higher rates of maltreatment. But I don't buy the whole thing because it's exactly what you're saying. How are you defining maltreatment? And it's the people who, who, who when they enter the system, who get made that definition. And also, there's community setups to to um, Dorothy Roberts studied in Chicago. She has a um, a whole chapter in the book of racial disproportionality about communities and how communities are set up in Chicago to have this uh, love-hate relationship with the community. So anyway, children who enter foster care experience poor outcomes than other children. They have higher poverty and homelessness, lower educational achievement, and other negative outcomes. So it's not a, it's not a good thing. So that's human dignity. The call to family, um, it's really hard for me to pull racial disproportionality and stick it into any of them because it's all racial disproportionality is offensive. It offends every single one of those principles of Catholic social teaching. Every single one. And they're all combined. So well, even just looking at families, families are the primary unit of the community. They're the sanctuary of the community, the cradle of life as well. They're our families. And those are from different documents. And entry into child welfare is particularly when you remove the child from the home. It shatters the family. It just wrecks that one particular part. If the family is in subsidiarity, the family is the unit that is most responsible for the care, and we shatter that in uh, by removing children and by breaking up the family. And uh, Dorothy Roberts, she wrote a book called Shattered Bonds, and, um, and then later on, you know, she wrote a book. She had the, the contribution of and it actually punishes a family who's struggling and in poverty. We know that. We know we're not going to absolutely do some kind of food, but it's not nearly as often to go out to the outlet suburbs and say, here you are, you know, we're going to take the child away. Um, and, 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 and so often there are things that we could do at that family level that could help this family instead of requiring them to go to you know, go 20 miles away while they're holding families three jobs, get this kind of treatment, and, um, and you know, we just add burdens. So we punish the struggling family, but what we're supposed to do, if we did, you know, prevention, if we really care about families, we hold them together, we provide the resources families require, we get family partnerships, and we have big And that's what we're called to do. Now, I, I think, um, I want to Yeah. 
And so, um, I have a question here from, um, from Cardinal Dole. Yeah, and he says, it's not true because we're Catholic and we say it's true. We're Catholic and say it's true because it's true. You know, we don't, it, it was true first. It's not that we're all of a sudden making up a truth. So this really, and, and so, you know, the Pope had said to all people of goodwill, he's speaking to everybody in these Catholic social teachings. Not to okay, so let's go to this personality groups and organizations, subsidiary. Okay. It's impossible to promote the dignity of persons without showing concern for families, groups, associations. I think this is just really important to me. I'll just put the whole quote in here. Local territorial realities, in short, are all that aggregate um, economic, social, cultural, um, sports, and recreation, professional, political expressions of the people spontaneously in life, and which make it possible for the future.
it's not just that these are uh, upfront in all these areas, but that these are also the ways that we can make a difference. We can go back in and use our communities then to address it. Texas, we have a, a lot of different um, task forces at the community level, at the state level, at the regional levels, uh, where we get together and try to Care sometimes. It's, 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 it also, the 
we have children in our middle school, and their middle school teachers is talking to me about uh, children of color, saying, I don't need to learn math because I'm thinking, you know, I already have this stuff, but my dad, I make more money than you do because I'm, you know, helpful to do the drug trade. And of course, that's you know what I mean. Um, and, and he said, because that's, that's how I'm going to earn a living. It's the only living we've got out here, you know, for, for us. And, you know, I may die earlier, but so often stuff. One thing that really struck me in what both of you mentioned was this idea of subsidiarity, you know, and when you're talking about, you know, the, the government's role in that, and it brought me back to a person who, uh, who never seems to be mentioned, but had a major role, you know, in developing the developing and capitalism the system. Smith, you know, and the fact that um, that even though he talked about, you know, uh, in his book he talked about the fact that the free market system was a good thing, you know, as he as he developed all that, what what has gotten lost in the discussion is that he also says in his book that that you can't get the free market system on the market because once you do that, then you have those people who are who are who are really benefiting from the free market system won't do anything for those who are left behind on the board. And the fact that the government then needs to step in to make sure that the the basic needs of the poor are met because the wealthy won't do that. That's one of those encyclical addresses. Which one is that? Well, actually, even in Roman Mormon, think of it at the time. When you're, when you're writing these articles, you know, at the time, there's all this concern about socialism and communism. So in some of these documents, the, the, the Pope is very careful about not trying to say communism is okay, but saying unmitigated capitalism is a real distortion. You know, that, that, that capitalism can be exploitative, can be oppressive, right? But that be, but, but it also, it also can, be, um, can be an engine of growth, right? And great ideas. And the Germany ideas, people, there really is a, you know, the, the moral hand, okay, uh, of good things happening. But unbridled capitalism, capitalism can create these kinds of distortions. So it's really about bringing balance, but bringing balance with a preferential Thank you for joining us today for NACSW's Podcast of the Month featured selection. We hope you found today's session useful and that it will support your efforts to thoughtfully integrate Christian faith and social work practice. We also hope that you will consider participating in additional NACSW's activities and events, including NACSW's upcoming convention in the fall, our quarterly audio conference workshops that we offer at no cost to NCSW members and which includes free CEUs accredited by the Association of Social Work Boards, our online continuing education program, and access to dozens of archived podcasts from the member section of our website. Also, we invite you to join NCSW's Facebook group or our Facebook fan page. For additional information about these and other NACSW benefits and services, you can go to our website at www.nacsw.org. Thanks again for listening in today to our podcast session today.